And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Um, this is a very special episode because we did not read a book this week, but we watched a movie that is very near and dear to many romance lovers' hearts. Um, and it's such a big deal that we invited producer Patty in to also talk about it. Hello, it's me, producer Patty. I didn't have to read a book. I just had to watch a movie. I'm very excited about that. One day we'll get you to read a book. I mean, I've read books. I've read books in my life. I read books. I <laughs> sure. Just, I I just... Uh, never seen I it. Love, I've never seen it. I love... Well, I mean, how many people have you watched read a book? How many times have you sat and watched another person just read in front of you? And they've known I've been there, like, doing it? Probably not. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what we watched this week was Bridget Jones's Diary, based on the book of the same name. So you guys had both seen it before, though, right? Yes, I've seen it. I, I, yeah, I had definitely seen. I mean, not like probably recently, probably within the few years after it came out and was on cable. I watched it a bunch, um, but I've definitely seen it. I saw it when it originally came out. And I hadn't seen it since. Until now. Really? Mm-hmm. I remember I read the books before the movie was even cast because I remember hearing as Renee Zellweger and being surprised, and also being very confused because in the book there's a long runner about her being obsessed with the Pride and Prejudice that's on TV at the time and being obsessed with Colin Firth. And I, when I heard he had been cast as Mark Darcy, I was like, how are they going to do that? They just scrapped the whole storyline. But I've watched that. I've watched Bridget Jones so many times that I feel like I had it basically memorized. When we watched it again last night to then talk about it today, I was like, I feel like I could just recite this entire movie backwards and forwards. I love it. I also watched it when we first went into quarantine because I was like, I need one of those like bubble bath movies. Oh, so you watched this a month ago? Without yeah. even me realizing it. Wow. <laughs> and I, I would have assumed at this point neither of us could watch anything without the other one knowing. I would have managed to sneak one in. I wow. don't know what you must have been doing. Good for you. Yeah. Listen, I can still keep things from you, I guess is what we learned. Is his character named after Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Okay. That was a conscious decision that was made by the author. <laughs> Yeah, I, in Pride and Prejudice, his name is Marcus Darcy. And then in Bridget Jones, he's Mark Darcy. But there's a lot of, you know, over. it is basically the telling of Pride and Prejudice. Um, like she works at Pemberley Press, which is uh, an allusion to uh, the book as well. She says the opening line at one stage. So, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. But wait, so let's, in case you're one of the few people who has not seen Bridget Jones's Diary yet, do you want to let us know what happens in this bo- movie? Nobody listening to this podcast has not seen Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> there can't be one person. We can't, we're not doing a recap for anyone. If Go watch it. It's 90 minutes. If we have to recap Bridget Jones's Diary, you're listening to the wrong podcast. All right, so... We have Clayton, who saw it in the theater, and then just yesterday, we have Pat, who's seen it a few times. Me, I'm truly obsessed with it. What were your initial thoughts about the movie? Well, I don't know if we mentioned yet, but this was voted on by our, our troopers in the Facebook troop. And we put this, we mm-hmm. put this up against 
Crazy Stupid Love. I always, when I think that name, I have to say, uh, not think Crazy Sexy Cool, which is the TLC album. So I'm always yeah. thinking right before I, I say the name of, of Crazy Stupid Love. And we also put My Best Friend's Wedding up there that nobody wanted us to watch. Yeah. My Best Friend's Wedding is not a romance. So I understand why people were not as big of a fans about it. So let's take a moment to talk about better help. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, there is. I have an issue with intimacy. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It isn't a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available and it's available worldwide. And you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. And go to betterhelp.com slash tropes, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So there's a special offer for Learning the Tropes listeners where you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash tropes. That's betterhelp, B-E. T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash tropes. T-R-O-P-E-S. Go there now. I was not surprised that this movie won, but I was a little surprised that My Best Friend's Wedding got, I think, six votes maybe. But anyway, still, so we, I was, though, expecting this to win no matter what. Yeah. I just had an inkling because it's about a diary and all that. I just I just had an inkling that this one was going to win. So <laughs> So the diary The diary part is like you're like people fucking well, love diaries. It's kind of a book. And we have a lot of a very literate listeners and I was like, well, there's nothing about a book really in either of these other ones. So I was like, it's probably going to be Bridget Jones. Well, and also Bridget Jones' Diary, the movie, is ba- is of those three choices, the only one that's based off of a book and based off of a super popular book. That's very, that's very so true. So it would make sense that our audience would want to, if not, if they can't hear you two talk about a book, they'd want you to hear hear you talk about a movie based on a that's, book. That's, that's, actually, that's very true. I think that this was a really fun movie that I forgot how fun it was. Yeah, it's super fun. It, it it has held up so well. The big thing that stands out now is how much every man she comes in contact with, except for her father and Darcy, are like truly disgusting examples of humanity. Like everyone is a pervert and there is so much uh, like sexual harassment in the workplace. That, okay, <laughs> yeah, but don't lump. Daniel Cleaver in there as being a 
disgusting form of humanity. He then, cheated on her with a naked American. Yeah. Also, in one of the weirdest shots I've ever <laughs> from, seen. It seemed from a different movie. Yes, it seems from a different movie. I haven't seen Bridget Jones' Diary since, you know, whenever it came out and was on TBS a bunch of times. And at the moment when Bridget Jones was walking up the stairs, going into the bathroom, something in my brain, I haven't seen this movie in 15 years, but something in my brain was preparing me for this footage is about to look really weird. Like the shot when she opens the door and it goes into slow-mo and it's sort of like a softcore porn movie and she's covered herself with a giant novelty book. Like It's what? a giant folder, like a work folder, but she's yes. stark naked sitting on the side of a bathtub. Right, like she's about to be painted. <laughs> and it's slow-mo. It's the weirdest like four seconds of a movie I've, I've seen in a long time. Well, the reveal of Hugh Grant's character actually being the one that fucks Colin Firth's wife also has a very similar slow-mo kind of softcore porn look to it, or it looks like it was a deleted scene from Body of Evidence. Like, was that Willem Dafoe fucking Madonna on the floor in front of a roaring fireplace? And they are both fully nude, which I just, its I, it didn't seem like that kind of movie that it was necessary to have two people be fully naked. Well, yeah, because we, we only, right after we see Renee Zellweger's character, Bridget Jones, has had sex with Hugh Grant, she still has her bra on, which is one of those things we know this movie's not not a, well, is it R-rated? I don't know. It could, It's probably PG-13, right? Yeah, I can't imagine it's R-rated. I mean, it might, it might be R, but... The fact that, like, she has her bra on. Nobody has sex with their bra on. No, I mean, like... I mean... You you take your bra off the second you get in the door. Oh, there's no way of wearing a bra at home. I've, like, we've had sex with, like, a shirt on, though. Yeah, well, I I have issues. (laughs) So, Bridget Jones' Diary, 2001, which is somehow more recent than I thought, though that's also 19 years ago, (laughs) um, is rated R. It is a, it's a soft R. That's crazy that that's right. For the soft core porn. Yes. Well, I guess she does say fuck. It's weird that it's an R-rated movie. Be, okay, back to the shot, though, of when Bridget Jones walks in on the uh, naked American girl with, with Hugh Grant. Why is she so, like, proud to be caught by Bridget Jones? Like, she's so psyched. That Bridget Jones is going to have to revel in her in her nudity. That's true. There's no shame involved in that at all. You would think that she, because they thought they were they got away with it. Hugh Grant said right. he was working, and initially Renee comes over and she checks the bedroom to see because she's like he's cheating on me, I think, and then she doesn't see anybody in the bedroom. Right. So the whole audience, and I'm meaning myself, I was like. All right, cool. He got away with it. Let's get her out of there. <laughs> and then they're going out. They're about to go outside. And then on the hangar, the right by the door, there's this very pink, I guess, sweater. And so Bridget goes back up into the bedroom and then goes into the bathroom. And that's where that woman is triumphantly waiting to say, guess right. what? I was here the whole time. And now you're going to walk away shamefully in that bunny costume, right? Because she was still in that bunny costume. 
the famous bunny costume. There are so many things rewatching this movie that I remembered were such huge, like pop culture moments. You know, like Bridget Jones in that bunny costume was definitely in that year's like top 10 moments or at least like you know of the time it came out maybe it got drowned out by other things that year but oh you mean like Anne Heche's autobiography of course we all remember that so the thing about this movie too that I remember very vividly was they made such a big deal about how much weight Renee Zellweger gained to play Bridget Jones and watching this movie now you see what the fuck were they talking about? She didn't look like, I get it, she didn't look like Kate Moss or like Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston in Friends, but it wasn't like De Niro gaining weight for Raging Bull. Yeah. But I'm sure she has talked about it more than De Niro ever had to talk about gaining weight for Raging Bull. I, yeah, I do think that's so interesting because in the book, she's obsessed with her weight and she records her weight every day. And she's always just around 130 pounds, which is like less than what a normal person weighs. I guess there is no normal, but that is like whatever. It's a, it's a fine weight. And I remember reading that when I was young and I must have been reading it when I was like 14, 15 and being obsessed with that number, like 130 and thinking this is a number that needs to be avoided. And it wasn't until maybe a few years ago I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's part of the satire is that she is a normal size or she is thin, but is still obsessed with improving in this way that is unnecessary. It seems like the media... And Renee Zellweger made a bigger deal about the actual size of the character than the movie world does. She's just a woman. Right. She lives in a world where she's, well, she also lives in a world where she's very attractive to most men. Yes. Because the joke is running that basically everyone wants to fuck her. From her, like, creepy uncle to her boss her boss one of her bosses just says he'll fuck her the other boss they enter into a relationship together like that's the the irony of it too and i think looking back now you see that as the joke but i think at the time it wasn't because also at the time it was during like ally mcbeal when all those women were just like starving themselves and that was seen as the ideal or as the something that you know that was seen as an average body where those women are all impossibly thin and have since talked about how like rampant the eating disorders were on the set. But yeah, it is interesting that she still has to talk about gaining weight for that, for Bridget Jones's diary where she looks like a thin woman still. Yeah. I guess that's maybe uh, the, uh, the good thing that's happens in society where, that layer of this movie is kind of entirely gone, at least for me. But the only reason I thought of it was because I, I'm a, I was aware of movie making back then, which I am now. I just, the behind the scenes stuff I was always interested in. So I'm sure there was an Entertainment Weekly article about it. And I remember that being such a big deal. And then watching this movie, it's not even a layer that you need to, at least for me, that you need to even think about to enjoy it. Right. Like, in this movie, there's never, um, like, it's it's something that she thinks about, her weight, but, like, the actual characteristics of Bridget Jones that are almost, like, that are sort of, like, the bad characteristics are more, like, 
she smokes and she's like could be vulgar and you know that kind of stuff and like she drinks which also those are all fun but like (laughs) it's never a movie about like everyone else seeing her as overweight and and being mean to her about it it's just that she is this cool uh vulgar person who smokes all the time and she's very bad at public speaking which is a fantastic character trait that i love not a fear of public speaking because she loves to do it but that she's always just really bad at it whenever she tries i just think that's really funny and like a unique characteristic that i liked This episode is brought to you by Into Her by J.A. Huss, available now at audible.com. Into Her is the story of two hitmen bending a sexy night stranded with her mark, Yvette, but one night changes everything as they soon find themselves plotting way out of the job and the mob. Into Her is an angsty MFN page-turning read that will keep you guessing until the very last word. Wendy from Amazon says, if you haven't read anything from J.A. Huss yet, this is the perfect book to start with. It's a standalone story with lots of sexy, lots of angst, and lots of keeping the reader guessing. It's a must-read for sure. Into Her is also brought to life by the performers Savannah Peachwood, Teddy Hamilton, and Tad Branson. So go ahead and buy Into Her by J.A. Huss on audible.com. We're talking around the elephant in the room, which is you guys are not Colin Firth fans. No, I I really dislike Colin Firth as an actor, as a presence. <laughs> um, I would say as a celebrity, but I mean, like, I mean, I guess he is a celebrity. Yeah, is he? Uh, he is a celebrity. He is a celebrity. He's not a movie star, obviously. Um, I really dislike him normally, but then in the context of this movie, where it's a movie that is pitting Colin Firth against Hugh Grant at his, like, most roguish, charming height of his good looks, I would say, because he's, he's, you know, he's still pretty, but at this point, 2001, he's, like, grown into being, like, a real adult man who's still pretty, um, he's lived through scandals. So right now I'm just talking about Hugh Grant <laughs> in, in real life. But in this movie, it's just such a slaughter of how much more interesting Hugh Grant's character is than Colin Firth. Colin Firth is such a wet blanket, this whole movie. Yeah, that... W- Clayton, speak to how crappy Colin Firth is. Well, I mean, I don't have the hatred for him that you do, Pat, but I also don't get it. I, I think it's more of a blandness and Hugh Grant I yes. love Hugh Grant and I do think he, he the floppy hair was in effect in this movie I was looking at that mop of hair and being like I want to run my fingers through it I do he, mm-hmm. he is an odd looking guy too I don't think Hugh Grant is a, a poster boy for you know like masculinity or anything like that but there's just a charm that he has and he's attractive to me but Colin Firth is just not attractive at all to me. I don't see what he kind of has a toadish face. And especially in this movie, he's just always mm-hmm. got something up his ass. Yeah, he's so sleepy and sad all the time. And yeah, and he's not fun. He's yeah. not fun in any way. And I No, he's always moaning and groaning. And I did not buy the attraction between the two of them at all. No. Uh, Aaron, why? Why? It, did he play 
in in Pride and Prejudice, the one that everyone went nuts for, where he was Darcy. Did he play it the same way? Is he is he just always just like a mope? Oh, that's also who Mr. Darcy is. Like that's the whole thing. Is he somebody who's so repressed emotionally that he's not able to be outward in his feelings for Elizabeth? He judges her really harshly when she they first meet. This is the book, obviously. Right. Um, he judges her really harshly when they first meet, and then she sort of has to win him over. It is the same beats as this movie. I agree. Hugh Grant is at his floppy best in this movie and is very sexy and fun. And I think if you're choosing between Mark Darcy or Daniel Cleaver, who to date for like a few months, Daniel's going to win. He's the more fun. But I think for who you're going to end up with, you have to pick Darcy. And here's It feels like such a death sentence though, right, Clay? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is worse than death. And I do think that... One of the issues with this with this movie is that it plays into the old stereotypes that somebody who is uh, attractive and aggressively sexual and can never change their stripes and actually become a good mate. And I think that, like, it's possible that somebody like Cleaver could become a good partner, and you shouldn't just settle for a, a lump of clay that isn't going to give you any sort of satisfaction but also never hurt you i think that's i think that's yeah i think clay is generous on that lump right there uh, i still i'm not done defending darcy okay. i think you know for one of our favorite goodreads list is starchy hero gets unstarched that is basically what happens in this movie he judges her really harshly at the beginning he warms to her they have the moment in the hall after the smug Mary dinner party where he says that he likes her just as she is. But he never shows that. Which he I... He never shows... Like... He says it. Well, then he helps her... So, okay. So he says that and it's just somebody who's like halfway through their year of improvement to just have somebody say like, I liked you before anything changed. That is something you would fall in love with somebody a little bit over them saying and recognizing in you. Then... For her birthday dinner, he comes over and helps her save the day and then is, like, charming to her friends. That's nice. And then they, you know, he beats up Daniel Cleaver in the street, which is also... Cheap shot at the end. Total cheap <laughs> yeah, shot. Yeah, that's crazy. He I mean, said the fight was over, and then he cheap shots him yeah. after Hugh Grant threw him through a goddamn window like a real man. <laughs> That the whole the whole that whole scene of them fighting is one of the great scenes in That's cinema. Great. Yeah. It is fantastic because just two posh Englishmen <laughs> who have never thrown a punch in their lives attempting to go at it. And I find that Every time I watch it, I find it hilarious, and that's a great scene. Well, they keep apologizing to all the restaurant patrons <laughs> while they're knocking over their food. It's so, so funny. When they stop to sing happy birthday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great – that's such a great long fight. That's, that's such a great And sequence. the best part of that is when it first starts, her – Bridget's friend runs across the street into the restaurant and says – and screams, fight – it's like, no, it's a real fight. And the, all the people who work at the restaurant come out and they start betting. Do you see that on the sidelines? They're like passing yeah. money, betting on who's going to win. And I, I, yeah, that whole scene is just so, so funny.
one of the things that one of the tropes in this movie that I, always bugs me too is the I'm horrible at cooking trope. Nobody, nobody is that bad at cooking. If you have a recipe in front of you and you cannot at least make something edible with it, I just think that's nuts. Like, it's crazy how bad of a cook she is. I mean, I definitely know people who are just that big of a disasters. And I've also made some disaster stuff when I'm trying to cook. I But but that... But, uh, blue soup? Blue soup? Like, blue soup, you think that that... I mean, I get, like, the string... You don't buy blue soup. I don't... Who do you know? And I want you to name names. Who do you know that is that sure. tragic in the kitchen? Yeah, you're right. I don't... But obviously it's exaggerated for comic effect, Clayton. Well, I understand how that works. I just, I'm saying as a trope in general, (laughs) that, that it's not one of your faves. It's not one of my faves. Right, right, right. Well, I think it also just shows that Darcy comes in and is able to just help her in these situations. Because then he also saves her by giving her the Kalani Heaney interview well, just on the birthday thing, though, Daniel Cleaver brought a bottle of booze and probably was ready to just order food of for course, her. Of course, they were so going to get tied. He also would have saved her birthday. Yeah. He, well, he showed up a little drunk, too. He also had just cheated on her. Okay. I get all that. I My big thing, sure, Daniel Cleaver did wrong. Maybe she doesn't end up with him. I just don't buy that Colin Firth as Darcy would still be the person to end up with. Like, I think at best, the movie should have ended with her being like, the search continues, Bridget Jones 2, all new guys. <laughs> Bridget Jones 2, all new guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a cliffhanger. <laughs> that She's going to keep looking. She's going to keep staying out there but it ain't gonna be these two one's too promiscuous or you know one's cheating on her and the other guy's too boring part two new guys you need somebody who's a balance and darcy is a balance to her and he also like loves her how is he a balance i I feel the love between sexy because i that's a matter of opinion he doesn't carry him he is he doesn't carry himself in this in a sexy way He's a lump of jelly. I don't jelly. think he got unstarched enough. So at the end, when she's going to get ready, he shows up at the end uh, and surprises her and starts reading her diary because it's open. And uh, number one, who's that legible when they write in their diary? And she did enough spacing Amen. so that people could really read it if they wanted to. But he reads the diary entry mm-hmm. and then walks out and you think oh this guy's just storming out because he's upset at what had been written about him but then we find out he walks and gets her a new diary and then he's like here's a new diary so you can throw away all your old thoughts and feelings because now you're with me and those don't and i don't and i don't cut into those thoughts and feelings anymore so you're gonna need a whole new personality and a whole new set of inner thoughts and Cle- Cleaver would have read yes. that shit and been like, haha, this is funny. Even bad stuff about himself. And he would have just had a little twinkle in his eye and been like, oh, so that's what you think of me? Let me change your mind. And then he would have rogered her real good. 
Yes, that no, was, was it was saying, so creepy when Darcy did that when he said throw out your old diary. Yeah. No, he did not say throw it out. He just said let's do a let's have a fresh start. A fresh start where I control you, Bridget Jones. Oh my yes, god. Yes, first entry. And then they kiss in the street. I'm going to dictate first entry. I love Mr. Yeah. Darcy. He is not an idiot. I love his dumb Christmas apparel. He doesn't have a a tiny bulbous mushroom cock. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Bridget Jones is such a fun, cool, you know, person. She, why did she have to sink down to that level? Yeah, like you're telling me she's not going to dress slutty for work anymore. That sucks. Like, like he's going to just right. take everything that's cool about her and and throw it out the window. I don't agree with any of this. We're losing we're losing subscribers left and right and it's and it's okay. I understand why you're leaving us and it's fair. Go. But do now do uh do people also love Daniel Cleaver or he's like a hated villain? No, like he's not a hated villain. Everyone finds him sexy. Okay. I mean, come on. Okay. So the fact that that Clayton and I would just rather be with Daniel Cleaver isn't mm-hmm. like that incendiary. No, but the, the amount of hatred that you're putting towards Mark Darcy is wild. I think specifically played by Colin Firth. I would say anybody because I I just don't think that character deserves Bridget. I don't think that she would. She, they're a good match. If, if it was played by someone with more of like a glint in their eye and a little bit more roguish charm, even when they're being like a stuffed shirt, because a stuffed shirt could be a fun character. I feel like there was nothing... It wasn't even that he was a stuffed shirt. He was just so sad. It always seemed like every time they cut to him, he had just watched like his family die. And then then he they turned the camera on. Yeah, he's on. like Bruce Wayne, but he's not Batman. Yes. He's just a sad yes. sack. Yes. Yes. That that was what I was looking for. It's true. He it looked like, yeah, Bruce Wayne just reliving the murder of his parents over and over again. That's Darcy. But you disagree, Aaron, and, and all, yeah, I all women disagree pretty much. I mean, yeah. Universally Colin Firth is seen as a universally Colin Firth is seen as a very attractive man. And I would agree, I find him very attractive. Um I'm not judging bone structure. I just think he's a he is a drip. What did we think of Bridget Jones's parents? Oh, that was an interesting story. Huh. Uh, I mean, it was fine. Like, I, it's goofy. That's the thing about this movie is it's pretty goofy. And you, you can't really, I mean, I was invested in people's love life. But I guess I was happy when the father got his wife back and and called her a, a, a sodding cow or something. Doesn't he call her like a, a dumb, stupid cow? <laughs> but she she yeah. she runs off and wants to have a, a life uh that of adventure that she never had so she starts being on a a i guess a home shopping network type of show with this weird guy and it, yeah, it's funny how everybody can get on tv so quickly in this movie and, and this was back People forget back in 2001, it was very hard to get on TV. Now it's very simple to get on TV. But back then, it was very difficult, and being on TV was a huge deal. And both the mom and 
Not in England, though. I feel like in England, they let anyone on TV. Okay. Well, uh, Bridget Jones gets on TV pretty fast as well when she quits her job and then joins a television station where the boss makes it known that it's he doesn't mind if they have sex. That's cool. She's like, I left my other job because I had sex with my boss. And he goes, oh, well, you know, no, no harm, no foul. And just to let you know, we'll never let you go if you have sex with me. <laughs> No one gets sacked for shagging their boss. I mean, this is just the environment that she was uh, living in at the time. Yeah. But she navigated it well. Well, that's why I love that scene because it's so... God, I really like the Bridget Jones character. Like, I love that that scene, that sequence, because it's like two job interviews where she tries to say the, the basic stuff, I'm a team player or whatever, doesn't get it. And then in the third one, she's just herself. And, you know... the does the Bridget Jones thing, and that's what gets her the job. And that's why it's so sad that she ends up with Darcy, because Darcy won't let her be herself. Yes. And he'll probably tell her He'll yes, probably he tell will. her to stop working. No, did you watch Bridget Jones' End of Reason? Do, are we podcasting about it? No. <laughs> but he lets her keep his her job. Uh, and oh, he good, lets her. good for okay. him. I'm so glad. Good I'm for so him. glad he oh, let her God. keep her job. This is turning into something. I just want to gush over a movie I love, and you guys are turning it all. I bad. love this movie. The thing is, I love, I love this, this movie. movie. I yeah. thought, I here's what, I think the main thing about this movie is Bridget Jones is such a fun character, and I thought Renee Zellweger was awesome in it. And she was nominated for an Academy Award for this, which I think deserved. Yeah. It's great to see just like a movie star performance get it oscar nomination she's so fun mm-hmm. in this movie and it is a definitely an elevated rom-com where it is genuinely funny and a good script and she's so watchable and it also is the perfect length because yes. it is a little over 90 minutes and no rom-com should be longer than that so yeah all i think this is like a gold star rom-com it, the, the thing about it is the courtship of bridget uh, and Daniel Cleaver is so fun and exciting. And they the movie just never comes up with a great uh, balance on that where we get a bunch of scenes with Bridget and Darcy that are also fun in maybe a different way because it's really just the cooking scene because otherwise they're pretty antagonistic all the way up to that point. Yeah. Um. I Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously like if if Dar- if Cleaver's the villain, it's in that's always the trouble in movies is the villains are often so much more fun. Um, but I think yeah, overall watching it again, I was just uh, amazed at how much I enjoyed it, but also how many moments there were from this movie that have like kind of stuck out as like big pop culture memes. You know, like again, her in the bunny suit or the fight at the end or her like sliding down the pole. Like there, there feels like there's just so much about this movie that stands the test of time. Yeah. Now it was, this was Richard Curtis involved in this. He wrote it. It has all those earmarks of a Richard Curtis movie, which I'm a fan of. And I know people love, but they don't want to love because you know, love actually is one of those movies. People are saying, Oh, it's terrible. And some of his other movies have issues that people look at now because we live in a different culture, but it has all the earmarks of 
those movies, which I do love, the ragtag group of loyal friends, which she she has, Mm -hmm. that don't have any other lives, really, other than to service the main character. Although, that's great, because they can all have their own movies if they want, but they work perfectly in this like the the guy who was a pop star in the 80s and then just has used it to shag (laughs) shag dudes uh ever since is a great character just her two friends they're fun they come and they support her and that's what you want in one of these movies is even if the main character can't find love they at least have friendship and i think that's a really cool thing that is in pretty much all of of richard curtis type movies Because that's the thing about Notting Hill that I love, too, is that Hugh Grant's character has that close group of friends. And even in... Four Weddings? Pirate Radio. Oh, yeah. yeah, uh, The Boat That Rocked, you mean. Uh, Yeah, but that's all about friendship, too. (laughs) That's all about friendship, too. And I love that about these movies. He loves his friends. That's great. And and also, Mm -hmm. I love the uk pop songs that are in all these movies that are probably huge hits in the uk that we've never heard of they they always have that same sound which i love it's just a very comforting it's familiar yet unfamiliar no i had the soundtrack so all of those songs came back to me pretty quick i remember driving around listening to that when i was 16 17 years old yeah i mean i i think this is a movie if you haven't seen it it's crazy if you have if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen this movie it's pretty crazy unless you're like truly very very young is this like recent canon we would say for rom-com movies where even if you're young you know you're in high school you've got to read the classics and you've got to see the classics do we put bridget jones in there is you know by the time you're 18 graduating high school you you really should have seen this I would say I mean, so. I do wonder, though, if there is a lot of I, I did not Google this movie to see if there's any articles about how poison it is to people's minds. But I think if you just look at that character and the way she purports herself in a culture where she, like you like you said, Aaron, she is just looked at as a piece of meat a lot of the time. I think she purports herself exceptionally. And I think she comes out of it as somebody who is going against what you normally, the norms of society would expect from you and ends up being like a really powerful character. That's what I see when I'm watching it. Agreed. Yeah. And especially for the nineties, she was very progressive and I don't think there were many characters like her at the time where I think now the imperfect heroine or the imperfect woman in a movie is much more common back then it wasn't. So yeah, this is great. All right. Yeah, we loved it universally, right? Thumbs up, everybody, or yeah, I how would you judge movie. it? I, I remember I, I went going into it, I remember I liked it, you know, when it came out. And uh, I would say it held up exactly as I thought it would. Yeah. All right, everybody. So we would love to hear what you think about Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, let us know if you want us to do another rom-com. I think we'll probably be doing a few more movie uh, episodes coming up. So you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at learningthetropes and we're on Twitter at learningtropes. Um, and you can always join us in our Facebook group, The Learning the Tropes Troop. It's how people voted on this episode. So come join us there. It's fun. We chat. We talk movies. We talk books. Uh, it's great. Uh, and then next week, we are going to be reading Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. So 
go ahead, pick that one up. We're really excited. It's all about New York City. We're in New York City. We love it. Um, And then finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. To find more podcasts you love, go to frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Blue soup. Blue soup. Blue soup. Blue soup. Blue soup. Blue soup. You don't buy blue soup. <laughs>